Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 175. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore on Twitter, filling in for my normal co-host, John White, at VJourneyman. We are a couple of pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations who hope our career discussions will be vendor-neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at NerdJourney. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. This week, we're continuing with the second half of our interview with Dominique Top. If you missed part one in episode 174, I'd encourage you to go back and hear the story of how someone who was interested in music, went to music school, was in a band, worked for an Apple reseller, became a recruiter inside the DevOps vertical. Great story, and I really appreciate Dominique sharing. This week, we're going to get deeper into the story of going down the DevOps rabbit hole, let's just say getting deeper ingrained in that community. Have you ever wondered what the difference between a DevOps community advocate and developer relations is? Dominique will share the differences in those roles and help us understand what they really are and what people who have those titles actually do for a living. We'll learn about how Dominique became a user group leader or a meetup group leader and the responsibilities involved in that and all the things she learned by doing it. We'll talk about how she got to HashiCorp what was the journey to get there like? And what's it like at a startup? We'll also get to learn some exciting things about how Dominique is making an impact in her time at HashiCorp in a number of ways. If you too want to know everything about everything, you need to listen to the rest of the story. Here we go with part two and the conclusion of our interview with Dominique Top. Let's go back to the DevOps meetups. You went to a lot of these DevOps meetups, and it sounds like you were, your goal was to be a sponge and learn everything you could from the people who were there. And that led you to a different type of opportunity, didn't it? It did. It did. So I was working at Technovo at the time, and I was hired as a recruiter. I started there a half a year after I moved to the UK. When I, what I started doing when I moved to the UK was I'd go everywhere. I would go to the Kubernetes meetup, go to the DevOps Exchange, Dev London DevOps, like the Docker meetup, literally everything. Everything DevOps related, everything DevOps adjacent. And I still did that when I started at Technovo. But then I very quickly, like when, when, my, when my manager and my boss was started, like seeing like, okay, well, this is useful for us, but also for, for you. Like, how about, you know, can we not come up with something that's a bit more community focused because I was always advocating for for you know like community is important you know there are actually people there you know the, the meetups are for the engineers not for us if we are going there it's very important for us to behave like we are guests rather than like we run the show because it's very easy for again for for <laughs> coming back to an earlier topic a lot of people a lot of recruiters go to meetups to Poach. That's why one of the things that I experienced when I went to these meetups was, oh, you're a recruiter, and then it's just like exit stage left. 
because some of these people would just go in and just like drink the the free beer, eat the free pizza and literally go stand in the back and talk very loudly about all of the the accomplishments that they've made and I've actually been to a meetup where where uh, where, where the organizers have kindly asked these people to leave <laughs> uh, which was interesting. It was very interesting to be able to kind of be a developer or devops advocate for between the company and the community. So wherever I would go to any of the meetups, rather than just going there to be a sponge, I would also go there and be the face of the company, kind of. So Technova was very, very committed to um, to sponsoring a lot of meetups, which is great for the community because it meant that they could feed the <laughs> feed the people that would show up and stuff like that. It's all about the free food and beverage. <laughs> and stickers, don't forget the stickers. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. No, it, it was it was a fun, fun time. It was kind of because of the community that I felt like sold recruitment was not really suitable to what I wanted anymore. So rather than picking up the phone and going calling everybody like, hey, are you available? Like, I hate that. Like, it's it's not my jam at all. Instead, like the, the, the an interesting outcome of me being at every single meetup and them knowing what I did, because at some point I felt a lot more comfortable saying what my job was. Yes, I'm a recruiter, but no, I'm not here to recruit you. <laughs> You know, that was always the disclaimer I had to give. At some point, because people started seeing me everywhere, like, hey, I actually am looking for something now. Can you help me? It's like, well, I'll, I'll connect you to my colleagues. You know, it's kind of, it, it, it was a kind of really interesting reciprocal relationship between the community, myself and the company I was working for. But yeah, like they did take up most of my time. So like I, I, that was pretty much my job at some point, just like literally going to every every, every meetup. And that was also probably the... The catalyst for wanting to do more like, I don't know, like developer relations type of things. I'm not sure if you've, um, you've seen that, but I've did, I did a short stint of that between uh, where I am now and, and Technovo. Going to all the meetups and, and did you want to ask something? Yeah, real quick question. What What is the difference between a DevOps community advocate and developer relations? Because I don't think a lot of people understand what those roles are and, and you've shared a lot about the community advocate part which I think is super helpful but you know developer relations is that just an HR person who works <laughs> with developers I don't think it is but no <laughs> but but it's an excellent question have you ever seen people like Liz Rice or uh, Matty Stratton or you know like all these kind of really like the, the people that go to every single conference and pre- represent I recognize the names from DevOps Loop last year right so these these people are representing their respective companies as a developer relations person now for software companies or people or companies who make certain technologies having somebody to reach out to the community say like hey this isn't technology that you can use and being basically the bridge between the company and the community is kind of what a developer relations person does so let's say for HashiCorp I mean I'm not in the, dev- the developer advocates or developer relations team but the developer advocates at HashiCorp are very much like they field all the questions from the community they go on the forums they always make sure that they have all kinds of interesting content of stuff that you can do with our open source technologies um, and the same holds true for, for, for other vendors like I know that Chef has a has a, uh, I'm just listing the names of uh, <laughs> some of my DevOps uh, DevOps days co-organizers yeah, VMware I think has a lot of uh, a lot of uh, developer relations people well, Aquasec, um, what else? Sneak. No, it's okay. That's a good perspective. It sounds like it might fall a little bit under the tech marketing umbrella to a certain extent. Kind of. 
depends. Like it's, I've been to the, the DevRel conference, DevRelCon, it was like a couple of years ago. And it, it's kind of, because it's such a new uh, field, a new, new sort of segment in the industry, some companies will have it indeed on a technical product marketing. Other companies will have it more embedded in engineering. It depends. It literally depends on what it, what you're expecting these people to do. You know, sometimes it will be important to get like marketing qualified leads or developer relations qualified leads. So, hey, this person is a uh, is 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 working on open source, and hey, they're actually looking into more enterprise products or something like that. So, more on that side of things. But on the flip side, okay, well, it could also be that the developer advocates or developer relations people are looking for basically people who are using their products and like want to improve them upon them and, and more on that side of things. So it's, it's, it, it, because it's so new, it kind of depends most, but most of the time it's just basically a modern day bard, <laughs> so, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to talk about our products and, and, and I'm going to show you demos. I'm going to do interesting things and like making engaging content and making sure that people want to engage and, 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 and communicate and, so it's, it's, and, and like the difference between what I did at Technova and what I uh, aspired to do at Babylon was more, even more so being embedded in, in more the technical communities and actually helping the technical community solve problems with stuff that the, the company I was representing were doing. So yeah, so like advocacy is more like, hey, this is a thing, this is cool. And like, hey, I'm the face of the company if you ask me anything. But whereas with, with developer relations, it takes it a bit a step further, so to say. That's great. I really appreciate the clarification there. And sorry if I put you on the spot, not intentional. No, it's okay. <laughs> as far as the community meetups go, is this around the same time that you actually started leading a community group? About half a year into my Technovo stint, the, the young man who was leading the Docker community at the time, because I was going everywhere, I was going to the Docker meetup regularly as well. I saw him struggling with some things because he was also like midway, like starting a startup. So he was in the back, like coding away and like solving some problems and like having 200 people in a room somewhere and somebody on stage doing a talk. So I was like, looks like you might need some help, buddy. <laughs> you know, like, how about I just, uh, I don't know, like, tell me, what can I do? So I started helping out with a couple and then he was like, hey, do you just want to take over? I was like, let me just talk to the Docker community people. I was like, uh, sure. Because I like organizing things and I like helping people, as you know. So it's it's kind of it was kind of fun. So yeah, I started doing that, and then uh, and the pandemic hit after two years. But <laughs> that was that was that was very fun. Lots a lot of people, a lot of really interesting um, interesting talks and uh, interesting events and recurring people. And I do actually, I feel like nowadays I should probably like get back on it because like the pandemic has not been great for for the in person meetups. And I think you had hundreds of people at these meetups, right? Pre-pandemic, is that right? Yeah, like I think the most I've ever had was like roughly the tip, tip, taking the two hundred, anything anywhere between one hundred and fifty and two hundred people. Yeah, that's I would get double. I would get double the signups, but it was it was nuts. <laughs> and was it just you taking over as leader, or did you have other people to help out? Mainly me, but like the, the the longer we got into into the thing, and the more like responsibilities I got at my company at the time, I delegated some of the tasks to other people. And at some point, my my partner actually helped out. He's a, a lovely human being, but he works at a he's in the same field. He's like a lead DevOpsy person. The job title is a bit longer than that, but doesn't really matter. But he's uh, he works at a media company, so he's always he's always solving problems as well, right? At some point, like the the, the last year before the pandemic, we started doing live streams as well so we bought like a whole uh, live stream kit and, and he would then 
help out with all the stream stuff. So I would like make make sure everything's connected, make sure everybody's like audible and uh, invisible, and that was very useful. He's always a salt like a, a fixer. <laughs> so it's just like, hey, Rob, can you do this? Like, yeah, okay, sure. My experience running a a community group, at least for IT generalists, is that you are in charge of scheduling the meetings, working with any vendors or companies that would want to sponsor, buy the beverages, right? You give them some airtime to talk about what it is they're doing. And in my case, we tell them no sales pitches. Give us the nerdy content we want because you're going to meet people who they just care about the tech. And then a lot of times we'll have a community speaker share some project you were working on, some something you, you tinkered around with, lessons learned with everybody. And, and I found that a mix of those is, is actually pretty good. And, and as you said before, uh, when we started talking, as leading the group, you're often in charge of opening up the meeting and going through any specific agenda items that maybe is a routine for the group. Sometimes we would do, in small groups, you know, we usually never had more than 30 or more in a lot of these meetings. We would do an, an icebreaker. Who are you? What do you do? What's your handle in the community that we're talking about, in this case, Spiceworks? And, and then we'd go from there and open it up. Was it similar to that for you or very different? Pretty different. It's somewhat similar, but fairly different in my opinion well the meetup scene in london is huge i mean it was that way at least before the pandemic there's so many people wanted to learn things so one of the reasons why we had so many people join like you can't really have like a everybody gets the opportunity to say something everybody gets the opportunity to share obviously everybody is able to you know submit uh, submit sessions and stuff like that but yeah most of the time the format like i would have a couple of sponsors the sponsors, I generally just told them like the thing that you would get for the sponsorship is your your logo on the screen. Uh, I would say a blurb. That's about it. Like you, like I will talk about you, uh, and like in the promotion, you would always be you know mentioned, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you get you immediately get time to speak or so to say. Like it's it's very much like if you want to submit a talk, and obviously you can, but like it's it's separate. So. Usually I, I prefer to give the community right of way priority. That's it. <laughs> I would prefer having at least like three talks. So like two 20 minute talks, half an hour maybe. And then and then a little break for dinner, pizza. And then uh, another 20 minutes to 30 minutes uh, talk. And then afterwards we would then all go to the pub, you know, like and then talk about well, talk about the talks and like uh, sharing ideas and sharing stories. And those are always like the, the most valuable to me because that's when you start li- listening. Like, okay, what do you think? What did you think of this talk and why would you do it this way? Why wouldn't you do it this way? And, you know, and then sometimes the sponsors would also sponsor that. So that was like the whole experience. And it's definitely, I've always been very much like no sales, (laughs) you know, no pitches, no, um, it has to be something that you can use with the open source tool. If you want to talk about enterprise, that's fine. But that's that I'm, I'm I can guarantee you that people in the community are not really open to listening to something that I have to pay for, unless specifically asked. Hey, is what it is. You have to know the audience and make sure that the things you're sharing are valuable, so they keep coming back. Exactly. Now, did you eventually do some presentations of your own after you started leading the group and doing some speaking sessions on different technologies? I'm, uh, I suffer from imposter syndrome hugely. So, you know, seeing all these incredibly smart people talk about incredibly smart things always meant like, okay, well, I think I just like 
give the stage to people who I believe to be smarter than me. So, <laughs> um, so no, I, I don't think I've, uh, I've I've had the intention, but it's never really gotten to fruition because of the pandemic. So I did. I have spoken at other um, other other meetups and other other conferences and stuff. It's always it's always a bit of an interesting uh, interesting conundrum. Something that in my brain uh, I have to reconcile. <laughs> I understand. Many of us suffer from imposter syndrome, myself included. Some of the smartest people we know probably do, and maybe they just aren't talking about it. Uh, let me ask this before we move on to to the Hashi piece. Mm-hmm. If somebody who's an IT generalist wanted to plug themselves into this DevOps world, any tips on how they can get started down that path from a skills building, people they should meet perspective? There's so much content available you know, sometimes it can be a bit too much, <laughs> um, like knowing where to start. But like um, platforms like uh, Cloud Guru or Pluralsight nowadays, I guess, have a lot of really interesting content. There's go to every single meetup you can find. Talk to everybody. Just talk to other people. Like not everybody, like there's a lot of people who have taken the long way around. You know, like uh, not everybody has like computer science background and then they're starting at the company as an intern and not everybody has that classical journey. Try to find the people who haven't had that journey and then speak to them and see how they've done it. Because there's loads of us. <laughs> Go talk to people like I think start small, find a project to do and then try to see if you can uh, get something working. Don't be afraid to fail because I, I still sometimes have to tell myself that it's OK to make make a <laughs> make a mistake and i don't have to be perfect all the time i think that's that's probably the the biggest one stay curious stay curious i agree and speaking of curiosity you must have been curious about a new adventure because you left tech nuovo to do what you do today can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so i've been here i've been at Ashcorp for two years now so it's been a while but yeah so when i in my ventures throughout the meetups, I met, I mean, can I just main, mention names? I guess I could mention names. I met, I met totally Nico. Totally up to you. Yeah, Nico was at the time the geo leader for Europe as solutions engineering at HashiCorp. And Nico was a dear friend of one of my other dear friends, Mark, and he runs the London DevOps meetup. And basically I got introduced years and years before I even start thinking about HashiCorp. At some point, started met Nico, started talking a bit about him, about, about stuff. And then, yeah, like, like he, at some point, just like the, the, the conversation went in the direction of, hey, do you want to work for HashiCorp? And I was like, yes, I want to work for HashiCorp. I want to do what you do, <laughs> basically. And he was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, that's interesting because at the time I was obviously still a recruiter. So I had a conversation with him like uh, at a later stage and uh, and it was very much like, okay, well, why do you want to do this? That's like, well, I mean, I talk to a lot of DevOps engineers and technical people and, and I feel like that's something that I also want to do. And also there was this guy, like a, an engineer years and years ago, who was like, hey, yeah, you should remember the name HashiCorp Vault. Vault is a really interesting technology. You need to remember that name. I was like, okay. I did in fact remember that name, obviously. And everybody always had something with HashiCorp. So throughout my recruitment career, I've heard Terraform and Vault many, on many occasions. So so yeah, so at some point when Nico contacted me, like, hey, do you want to come work for us? Like, well, yes, but I want to, I, I want out of recruitment. So, oh, interesting. So yeah, so would solutions engineering be uh, be of interest? It's, well, yes, but I don't think I, at the moment I've got the right technical skills to do so. So he was like, okay, try to do a certification. 
so I've got an AWS uh, cert. <laughs> I actually need to renew that, but I've got that. You need some experience with Linux, so I have to do that. So I started doing some projects. I've got like a bunch of, you know, like installing Linux on a machine and started doing some bits with it and like basics. And maybe, you know, starts doing some some simple development. So, you know, like I've I've got a website running somewhere that I still need to update, but, you know, trying to small, small baby steps, right? Yeah, you're not going to be out of the gate an expert, right? You got to build the skills. I get it. Yeah, so it's, again, like, I still don't feel like I'm really good at anything, but, like, it's uh, <laughs> it's a start, I suppose. And I always say that I probably know more than I give myself credit for, but... So, yeah, so fast forward to, like, a, like a year or so later, like, I met him again, like, a, like we reconnected, and he was like, uh, hey, I now have headcount, do you want to come work for me? And I was like, yes. So we went through the whole process. I had like six interviews in a week, <laughs> and uh, including like a technical exercise and like all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I got the job. So uh, <laughs> apparently I did something right. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Congratulations. Thanks. How was startup life compared? I mean, I know they, they're now public offering, right? Public company. Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> but what was it like joining a startup when you hadn't worked for one it sounded like in the past i mean if we're talking startup in the sole like technology space then yeah i should go was my first if you were talking about like private companies from a different sense then the previous companies i worked for before are also obviously private companies like you know like technovo considered itself a startup uh, okay didn't realize well, that's that's fair but comparing technovo to hashicorp like at the time there were only like 20 people when I joined HashiCorp, I was like employee number 900 and something. So yes, it was still a startup vibe. You know, if you have an idea, pitch it to someone and or just uh, have a go at it and just go have at it and do it. You know, it was it was very interesting. Like, oh, um, this is your day job. But if you want to do and help out with these things, you can. It's very interesting and inspiring to see how much everybody was going for like this one goal. Like, we want to go IPO. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a, I've never experienced it quite like that before, which is quite interesting it's yeah like one whole company following one common goal so to say and it's um new people joining pretty much every week still <laughs> um which is why we're now like i think how many people do we have these days i think like over 2000 actually oh wow so it's more than doubled since you joined yeah that's impressive <laughs> dominique do you have any advice for someone who might be considering startup life on what they should be looking for or to know if they're right for it? It completely depends on, on, on what you're looking for. But things that you can expect from a, from a, from a startup, and not so much like a public or an established company with, a, you know, like a behemoth, so to say, is there's nothing as constant in a startup as change. Things change constantly. Like you can, you can blink your eyes twice and there's another process here. Or it's fairly high paced or like fast paced and i'm not saying that it's 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 there's no work-life balance or anything but it's something to look out for like it's very easy to fall in a trap of like hey we've got global employees everywhere oh, i'm just gonna reply to this email oh, i'm just gonna do this like it's very important that you uh, protect your own um you know like your your your, your healthy life uh, work-life balance but yeah like stuff to look out for do the missions is a mission statement something that you care about are the the principles of the company are they aligned with your own values are the principles that are written down are they actually something that the company believes in 
I believe HashiCorp does. You know, all of the things that are being done are generally uh, viewed upon through the lens of these principles. What are the principles? At HashiCorp, it's like kindness is one of the first ones, which I think is very important. It's always important to be kind. It, do people seem happy or stressed? <laughs> it's kind of like the, the thing. And, and first and foremost, it's like, do you believe in the product? Do you believe in the in, in the strategy that they've set out? Like, do you believe that the go-to-market strategy is something that's viable? Stuff like that, you know? Like, it's it's a, every company will have a product that will work, but you need to find something that you believe in. I think that's the, the best advice I can give. <laughs> well, right. Especially as a solution engineer, you need to be excited about the products. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That That makes total sense. You mentioned a minute ago that as part of Hashi, you were told, hey, this is your day job, but there are all these other things you could be doing. And you, you did some really interesting work, Dominique, and you co-founded the Employee Resource Group that serves neurodivergent employees. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I've actually managed to go an hour without actually saying that I have ADHD, but I have ADHD. <laughs> Normally, I, I, um, I sprinkle it in somewhere very early on because it does help. I guess, um, understanding how and why I certain, how, how my speech patterns are, doesn't matter. So in the ERG called NeuroD Plus, um, we started uh, this employee resource group because there are a lot of neurodivergent employees that sometimes not necessarily feel like they have the same clout or the same voice as people who are neurotypical, so to say. And it's important to make sure that if there's company policies or company processes being put in place, that everybody is being thought of. HashiCorp in itself is quite a, uh, a a diverse and like open, open-minded company. So there's a lot of work being done to diversity, equity, and inclusion. But this, you know, is just a continuation on that to make sure that simple things are being thought of. Like, are are we thinking about uh, reasonable accommodation? in interview processes or in, in, in company outings or in, in, you know, one of the things that I think is really important and that's something that I've been fighting for, like having live closed captions, I think is extremely important, not just for people who are not native English speakers, but also for, for, for neurodivergent folks. It can be very helpful to see what's being said as well as hearing it because that just makes it easier to parse. Sometimes if you're just hearing a voice and you can't, especially on screen, it's very difficult to sometimes, you know, like read people's facial expression to something like that. Or, yeah, so having having live closed captions is really important uh, um, to have put in place. So that's something that I've managed to fix <laughs> or we have managed to fix. That's fantastic. <laughs> so you also have this other project called the WISE Project. Tell us about that one. WISE is, uh, is something that has a special place in my heart. WISE is... In the wider SE community, stands for Women in Solutions Engineering. Now, our WISE also includes uh, non-binary and other marginalized genders. So it's still, WISE is just a, 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 like a really cool acronym. So that's why we decided to go with that. The naming convention was a bit interesting. But yeah, so Women, Non-Binary and uh, Marginalized Genders in Solutions Engineering at HashiCorp. It's a bit of a mouthful. I, I'm not sure if you know as well as I do, but the, there are not many of us in general, like women in technology or like non-men in technology are not not as prevalent uh, as, as, uh, as, as your average man, um, which is 
it's just what it is. But it does mean that the that some of um, our wisers will have some sort of some experiences that our male counterparts might not have, or some uh, some some things that we struggle with, things that we experience, and having a safe space to be able to talk about it together is is really important to us. And on the flip side, we also have uh, have a regular cadence with senior SE leadership to advise on and, and give readouts on what's happening in the in, in, in our collective. But that's actually quite interesting because we, we, we're working on a bunch of different work streams, but the fact that we actually have a seat at the table and they're actually willing to listen and align with us is actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, because many companies, including both of ours, have diversity and inclusion goals, right? They want to help get more than just dudes in the workforce and technology. Uh, are there ways that folks like myself can help support that? I think the most important thing that folks like yourself can help out with is just understanding what it means to be an ally. And an ally, doesn't it, it's a journey. It's not something you are. You either constantly work on that or you're not. So I think the biggest thing that you can do to help folks like myself is to just constantly educate yourself, ask questions like, you know, and I really appreciate that you did, you know, ask questions, figure out, like, just ask your local uh, non-men, non-male uh, solutions engineer or anyone, just ask like, hey, is there anything that I can do to help you or support you? Or And if you if you do end up being in a meeting with someone um, and you know that there's, a, there's, there's a, a minority in the group, just making sure like, hey, I believe this person hasn't said anything yet. Hey, what is your opinion? You know, making sure that you give the space to other people, stuff like that are like really, might be really small, but can be super impactful. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Dominique. Any parting thoughts for for our listeners before we wrap? Parting thoughts. Do you have any any particular topics on parting thoughts? If if you had to follow the same path, would you go back and do it the same way or would you do something differently? That is a beautiful question. Or if you prefer, um, are there ways you could have accelerated your progression to where you are that you wish you'd taken advantage of? So if we go on to the first question first, if I would go back and do it all over again, would I follow the same path? I think I would because there's always one thing that I, I, I tend to not have is, and it's I don't like having regrets about things. I make decisions based on the information that I have at the time and that I believe to be correct for me at that time. And if at some point turns out after X amount of time turns out that decision might have been otherwise better, then I will learn from that and take that into my into into the future. So all of the things that I've experienced throughout my whole life and my whole career have been a culmination of learning. So I don't think I would prob- I would I don't think I would change anything about that. And then the other question you had was was are there things you feel you could have done to accelerate the progression to where you are earlier or advice for someone maybe looking to accelerate into that DevOps engineering space? So that's a also an interesting question. Accelerating into something is obviously you can do the boot camps, you can do, you know, all the training courses, but you know, if you really want to accelerate really fast, then you have to be willing to like give up everything else. <laughs> if instead you want to make sure that you get a steady progression but steady going forward and you still, you know, want to be able to feed yourself, then you know, carve out specific blocks of time for yourself to just do a project. 
but also trust your own process and make sure you don't go get ahead of yourself because you know now more than ever it, mental health is a, is also health so if you just completely go in on and banking on one thing and like completely hyper focus constantly on that and then burn out because you have 40 hours that you need to work and then spend the rest uh, rest of the, the, the rest of the week basically on on nothing but a particular thing that's not healthy so make sure that whatever you do make sure you do it balanced that's perfect thank you so much dominique i want to say <laughs> thanks for being on the show and i'm gonna stop the recording thanks for having me to this second half of the story again i really like that manager that was able to align dominique's role as a recruiter into her interests in community and she really got to be that community advocate it was a benefit to the community and a benefit to her company that's really cool if you're a manager listening hopefully you can do that kind of thing for your employees Dominique had to deal with the stereotypes of recruiters that come to user groups, eventually saying, I am a recruiter, but I'm not here to recruit you. And just by not acting the same as the, quote, typical recruiter that might have shown up, that eventually led her to help people make connections. She connected the people who were actually looking with recruiters. Again, it goes back to that that discovery, understanding what people need and want. I liked the explanation of community advocate versus developer relations because I really had no idea what the differences were or wasn't clear on them. Have you ever considered leading a user group or a meetup group? I think back to the series of episodes where we spoke to Tony Reeves and how he rose to VMware user group leadership. It can do a lot for your career and give... And help you build a lot of skills, including some in public speaking. The meetup group is actually what led Dominique to meet her future boss, or a future leader she would work under at HashiCorp. He spoke to her and asked her if she might be interested in working at HashiCorp at some point, and she said yes. But she had the awareness to say, I don't think I have the skills right now, but I'd like to work there someday. And this person gave her some very pointed feedback on skills she might want to build. So the interesting thing when you get feedback like that, you can choose to act on it or not. And in Dominique's case, she took the time to learn, to put the work in to get certifications, some experience with Linux, some experience coding. And the next time she ran into that same individual, she said that she was ready. And that person had an open head count. And that's how she was able to get the job at HashiCorp. I love that. Making connections. Back to what Andrew Miller said about being in the right place at the right time. She was in the right place and it was the right time because she had the skills built. I liked Dominique's advice about life at a startup. You have to believe in the product because if you don't, well, it's going to be tough. It's going to be fast-paced. And you need to be in alignment with the startup's principles and missions. And hopefully they are doing what they say, I think is the message she was trying to convey there. 
If you think about it, Dominique started having this community focus. She really got into the DevOps meetup, the DevOps community, immersed herself there, met a lot of great people. Combine that with the discovery method she used to get to know people, what their motivations were, what the problems they were trying to solve were, and her ability to set people at ease and really create that safe space as a former performer. It didn't surprise me that she had done so much work creating communities inside HashiCorp to make a difference in neurodivergence as well as the women in solution engineering, as some might call it, and more in her case. When it comes to neurodivergence, I know Dominique mentioned she had ADHD. If you want some additional perspective on that, check out the episodes with John Tolles in episode 129 and 130. Very, very helpful. Good insights there. And when we think about being an ally to women in technology, for example, it reminds me of the episodes we did with Kate Emshoff. Even those little things, like in episode 117 where Kate said she had to tell her husband it was important to give women on the call time to speak and not interrupt them. It was something he wasn't mindful of until she shared it with him. So hopefully you're taking the time to fill your blind spots when it comes to the differences you don't have, but that others you work with have that you need to be mindful of and support. I really appreciate Dominique hopping on and sharing her story, as we do with every guest, because it takes a lot of courage to share your career path, your story, your hopes, dreams, struggles. We're always looking for good guests. Just a reminder, again, we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, flying solo for now from my buddy John White at The Journeyman, a.k.a. Daddy John, signing off.